Hey everyone, welcome back to Adulting Decoded, where we discuss the ins and outs and the ups and downs of adulting. Hey Sabrina. Hi. We're here. We're here. So let's get into it because we have a great episode for you guys this week. Um, And you have an adulting moment, I think, Sabrina. Okay, so I have to tell you about this adulting moment. Perlene, we are always talking about being confident in our adulting and the more information we have, this is going to help us approach our adulting in a better and more efficient fashion. Well, this week, I call myself being responsible and um, scheduling a doctor's appointment, making Mm -hmm. sure that I am taking care of myself. Okay. And Perlene, I get to the doctor's appointment. I have my conversations in my head. I have the issues that I want to address. And I'm sitting there, I'm ready to be seen. The doctor walks in and it's all gone. (laughs) White noise. (laughs) (laughs) You know, and again, this surprises me because I'm like, what is wrong with me? I show up to doctors with my mom. Mm. I show up to doctors with my kids and... I can't stop talking. I'm like, this is an issue. That's an issue. This is it. I saw this. I know this. <laughs> but it's for some reason, I'm here to deal with my own issues. Right. And here, this healthcare professional is in front of me talking about, how's everything going? And I'm like, oh, everything is fine. You're, you're not fine. And, that's and why not, you're there. <laughs> and that's why I was there. Because it's not fine. Right? So that led me to why I wanted to talk about this today. Um and decoders, I think it is so important to prioritize our health. Yeah. Okay. Um, and we just need to really reflect and have conversations about what it is that is in, you know, keeping us from doing just that, prioritizing our health, making sure that we are doing those things that we need to do to stay healthy and how we could be better advocates for ourselves and and the loved ones that we've surrounded ourselves with. Definitely. I actually saw something online the other day, um, where someone made the distinction between self care and everyday care. Mm -hmm. And, um, and it was basically like, you know, going to the doctor, taking time to go to the doctor, taking time to, you know, do things that are just normal things to upkeep our health is really not self-care. Mm. It's just everyday care. Exactly. And we kind of make it a self-care moment where we're like, oh, look at me, self-care. I'm at the doctor. No, <laughs> you should be at the doctor exactly. every six months, every year, every whatever it is that's um, required for you. So I definitely, I definitely agree with this um, conversation in terms of how can we get better at making health a priority right especially when we have a busy schedule like you said you're at the doctors with your mom your sis, your your children you know and a lot of people are like that so how can we make it a priority for ourselves and advocate for ourselves right. when we get there and not go deaf mute and blind (laughs) and it's you know a lot of people i've I've heard i've heard this over and over again is that if you do not take care of yourself right you will not be there available right you know to take care of the people around you exactly put on your mask mask first first (laughs) (laughs) i miss traveling exactly But yes, that is an important metaphor for life. Exactly. Put your mask on first. <laughs> so in that vein, decoders, we have a great episode for you. Like we said, we have a guest um, who is going to join us and have a conversation with us and give us all the facts about 
health and health education. Uh, we have with us today Dr. Pascal M. White. Uh, she is a, uh, a board certified doctor here in the um, in New York. She's a graduate of George Washington University School of Medicine and Health Sciences in Washington, D.C. Um, she is a uh, assistant professor in the Department of Medicine Division of Gastroenterology. I had to really <laughs> <laughs> take, uh, take my time because I want to make sure we give her the credit due. Absolutely. Um, you know, she's that's her specialty, um, gastroenterology. And we have her today. Um, we're very lucky to have her today talking with us. She's also... Um, has conducted um, health disparities research on barriers in colorectal um, cancer screenings. Um, she's an active member of the American College of Gastroenterology and the American um, Gastroenterological Gastroenterologist <laughs> Association. Association. And she's also a wife and a mother. And it's just full-on adulting in so many amazing exactly. ways. So we're so lucky to have her with us today. Um, and, yeah, so let's start the let's conversation. Get right it, yeah. Let's get ready to decode, guys. All right. So I'd like everybody to welcome Dr. White. Good morning. Good morning, Dr. White. Good morning. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you for being here today. We know you have a terribly busy schedule, so we are really excited that you are here with us today. Dr. White, we're going to jump right into it. Tell us a little bit about what you do. So I am an assistant professor of medicine at Mount Sinai. I practice gastroenterology, which is the study of the uh, digestive system. And so patients come to me if they have any problems with stomach issues or if they have any problems with uh, digestion. And so the majority of my day is listening to people complain, <laughs> <laughs> but also uh, making my brain work to help them feel better. All right. That's that's amazing. Yeah. All right. So Dr. White, I wanted you specifically to be here today because I've been reading a lot about health issues within the black and brown community. Right. And one of the things that I kind of feel hopeless about is just that I feel like these statistics have been, you know, awful for a very long time. And I think we're in a time where, you know, it's just constantly repeated, constantly repeated. And I just want to know, in your profession, you know, do you see, working here in New York, do you see exactly what these statistics reflect? And how do you feel about that? Uh, absolutely. And just as a plug, you know, March is Colorectal Cancer Awareness Month. Uh -huh. And so it is very appropriate to be having these conversations, especially for me as it relates to colorectal cancer disparities and uh, essentially the gap in um, the amount of resources that African-American patients have versus other ethnic uh, and racial groups. And so I definitely see that divide every day. I work in East Harlem. Uh, I see patients who come in uh, who have waited a little bit too long uh, to mm. come to the for their symptoms. And it's not just that first day uh, that uh, these disparities kind of get created, right? It's, a, it's, a, it's a, a combination of factors that impact what we're seeing in terms of the increased risk of death, 
um, least survival in African-American patients who have colorectal cancer. So anything from barriers to fear about not coming into the doctor, mm. uh, barriers of um, socioeconomics, right? Not being able to afford coming to the doctor or transportation to get to the doctor. All these things are cumulative effects that lead to the disparities that we see on TV. Um, and so from a, from a just a general standpoint, I think if we address the elephant in the room and the elephant in the room for all of these disparities at this point in time uh, could be potential bias, whether it's implicit um, or not, uh, is the underlying or the underpin of all of these health disparities that you see in colorectal cancer and breast cancer and different survival rates uh, for ethnic and racial minorities, especially in the African-American community. Wow. And let me ask you this, um, knowing that they have the, there are these racial um, biases and you being an African-American um, woman in this position, do you carry a weight on your shoulder? Do you, do you approach this as, you know, what can I do? How will I, you know, how am I going to alleviate some of this? Tell us what effects that have that has on your, you know, day to day. I think from a day to day standpoint, um, I don't feel that weight only because I'm doing the work that I need to be doing. Mm -hmm. I think it hits me when I have an African American patient sitting in front of me and they say, "Well, you are the first African American and woman doctor I've ever had." Right. Uh, mm -hmm. You know, there's only four uh, percent of gastroenterologists that are African American in the United States. And so from that standpoint, we are unicorns, but uh, being in New York City, it's very shocking to me where, you know, I can encounter a patient who's never had a, a black physician. Uh, so from that standpoint, it, it makes me feel as though sometimes that I am that representative, um, but because I've been trained well, and I've been trained to do the work that I've been doing, it makes me confident that this is going to be a great experience for this patient. Uh, and that they're going to hopefully tell their family members, hey, I have a doctor whom I like, whom I trust mm -hmm. uh, with all of these issues, and you should go see her uh, or see a colleague of hers. Um, and that essentially builds that trust within the community. Um, so from that simple, yeah, I, I, I used to, as a medical student, feel that weight. You know, I was uh, a few in my medical school class uh, to, to be Black. Uh, and, uh, you know, at the end of the day, um, I don't let that, uh, I guess, define the work that I do. I let it drive the work that I do. Okay. That's great. Um, when you see, you mentioned a lot of great ways for, or yeah, some great ways that people would feel more comfortable coming into the doctor, you know, knowing and spreading the word about what a great experience it was, or, you know, what do you think is one of the main things that stops us from going to see the doctor? Like you mentioned a fear before, but what do you think is really at the heart of that? Like, or, and how can we really address that? I think it's both fear and mistrust. Mm. I mean, this is, this is the historical, um, I guess, uh, background of black people going to see the doctor, right? There, there have been stuff that happened to us when we go see the doctor. That's very real. Mm. Uh, so that fear and that mistrust is 100% um, something that you can feel as soon as you walk into the room, I, I can oh, yeah. tell, <laughs> is uh, if, if his wife wants him to be there, he's like, I don't want to be here. Right. Or, you know, if they're coming in embarrassed about talking about things, because I guess, you know, gastroenterology is, is definitely a personal field 
for a lot of patients to kind of discuss their personal uh, business. Um, But fear mistrust is very real. Uh, And I think when you break down that particular barrier and develop a healthy and honest doctor-patient relationship, then you can get to other rooted matters. Um, For example, you know, patients, especially women, they they come in and they're very forthright and saying, I can't get my screening because I don't have anyone to watch my child. Mm -hmm. You know, Mm -hmm. or I can't get my screening because if I take a day off, I'm literally choosing between, you know, getting food on the table or paying for my colonoscopy. And people don't connect um, the importance of prevention because the time to get screened is when you don't have any symptoms. That's what screening is. When you're completely without any symptoms and you're just going to check things out. And a lot of people don't understand that step. They see going to the doctor as when I have a problem instead of preventing that problem. So addressing fear, addressing mistrust, addressing uh, or, or putting on a pedestal rather preventive care. Uh, or three things that I think could uh, essentially get to the root of a lot of these barriers. I love that. Right. So, you know what? I'm going to get a little personal with you because (laughs) you're a doctor, right? You're a mother, you're a wife, you know, responsible member in your community. And Perlina and I talk about this a lot, right? This adulting, like the constant responsibilities of adulting. And I think those things also get in the way of us prioritizing our health. So what are some of the things that you do to make sure that you're prioritizing your health? I have to schedule in time. Like I literally have to put it in my calendar to say, this is the time I'm going to have to myself. And some of that means to, and this is going to sound weird, but you have to be a little selfish. Because being a wife and being a mother, these are roles, these are giving roles, right? Mm-hmm. You're constantly giving of yourself, uh, but you have to take some time for yourself too. And so I have to take that time and I have to push those feelings of mommy guilt away. Right. And push those feelings of, you know, could I be doing more here or there? If I'm not good, then no one else is good in my house. Right. So I have to really think about how do I make myself good? Well, I have to work out. You know, I do Peloton. You know, I'm about to do my 700th ride today. Woohoo! Wow. You're winning. Hello. <laughs> <laughs> and that's a priority for me. That's something that yes. I enjoy. I don't run. I don't really lift weights, although maybe I should incorporate strength training. But I cycle. <laughs> I, I ride. And I just, you know, let myself get caught up in that moment of taking care of me. And when I do that, even though I may not have spent that hour with my daughter, she is now having a role model for that particular type of self-care. She's that, and she's making time for that herself in her own little way. Right. Right. So So um, important. But I literally have to schedule it in. I have to put in my phone. I'm going to wake up at this time. And I usually write at night. So um, you have to find a time that kind of works for you. And the mornings are pretty crazy. I'm not a morning person. Mm -hmm. So... I, I schedule these things at night where everyone's asleep and I could just, you know, really limit the distractions. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's how I do it. Right. That's amazing. I think um, since we're getting personal, um, <laughs> <laughs> um, another thing that Sabrina and I talk about um, is, and I think there's actually a term for it and you correct me if I'm wrong, Dr. White, but um, it, I, I think it's something called like white, 
coat syndrome or something where mm-hmm. you get into a doctor's office and all of a sudden you lose all of your mind. Exactly. Like you have, <laughs> you don't know how to speak, you know, your doctor's like, how's it going? And meanwhile, everything's wrong. And you're like, I'm fine. Exactly. <laughs> so, um, and I've experienced it. I mean, I think everyone maybe who has any kind of anxiety about a doctor visit right. um, has experienced it. So I think what is, um, how, how would you tell people to advocate for themselves or get better at advocating for themselves in the doctor's office? Even if it's literally just saying, no, that pain is actually a 10, not a, a six, like right. I've been saying. Right. <laughs> I think it's again um, writing things down, right? Because even mm. my go to my doctor. Yes, I do go to the doctor too. <laughs> uh, I have to say, well, did I really get that? Did I really have that? You know, is that that was that, that medication I was taking? Like, I have to really think about it too, because I also uh, you also get nervous. It's human, right? right? To be afraid of getting bad news or someone telling you something's happening with you. So right. writing it down, making sure you write your questions, and I always. Tell my patients, um, do you have any questions? That's always my last thing. Do you have any questions, thoughts, or concerns? Right. And so some doctors would say, uh, are you okay? Is this good? Right. And but I really always add thoughts and concerns because even if they don't, they can't formulate a question, they can formulate a concern or a thought about what I just said, which mm-hmm. may lead to a question, which may lead to clarification on what I just said. Uh, so um, writing down your concerns I mean, that be a question or might run your thoughts uh, can also um, help. And so having little notes for yourself um, is key. Uh, keeping track of your symptoms, right? So if you if you have uh, an iPhone has a phone or some way to email themselves on this day, I felt this. And then you can try to keep a pattern or keep a track of what the patterns may be in your symptoms. And that would be helpful for your physician so that you don't have to think back to when it happened. You just write it down when it happens right away. And then you have like a, a, a growing list of things that you want to talk about. Um, but everyone can, everyone gets it. Some people get white coat hypertension, which um, is when your blood pressure is fine at home. But when you go into the doctor, <laughs> they take your blood pressure and it's like through the roof and they're like, what happened? And like, oh, really? Good. It really is fine. It's normal. <laughs> I just up here, uh, but that's a real thing. This is uh, my life. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> I've had that. And, and you know, um, you know, you brought you brought something up for me, like not putting prevention into place, but um, responding to crisis. You know, I personally, I am in that sandwich generation where I'm constantly worried about my mom's health and then I have children to worry about. So I'm like making sure that their stuff is intact. And mm-hmm. lately I've felt that I'm constantly responding to my mom in terms of crisis, as opposed to I'm getting better at it. I, I'll say mm-hmm. that, but it, um, instead of like putting preventive measures into place. So, which mm-hmm. brings me to the question of, how do we as individuals and as members and families and members in our community help, you know, our loved ones um, take better care of themselves and not just take better care of themselves. I mean, literally in terms of like putting preventive measures into, into place. It's a great question. I always make sure that my parents for example, have uh, appointments 
And I always call for them. And maybe it's because I'm a doctor. Maybe it's because uh, I kind of can know what they're going through and kind of prioritize what they should do first. Mm -hmm. But I always make sure that I'm involved in that process for them to say, hey, you're doing great. When is your annual, you know, mammogram? Right. When do you go see the doctor next? Do you have an appointment on the calendar? And then I try to go with them, be honest. Right. I try to make sure that I'm, I'm there for them. And even if I'm not there, I'm on the phone because sometimes uh, having another ear at that appointment uh, when they don't know the questions to ask exactly. or they're mm-hmm. too afraid to ask that question, right. have an advocate in the room. And so we have someone who's uh, another pair of ears listening to what that uh, practitioner is saying so that if there was any question, they could say, no, mom, this is what I heard her or him say during the appointment. So I try to be a little bit more proactive in in that regard. Uh, But you're you're right. It's not easy to force an adult to go to the doctor. Now you're playing the role that they played for you when you were younger. You're in that. It's like a reverse role. Exactly. You're checking on them, but they're full grown adults. Right. right? <laughs> and they have their own opinions. And, a lot. A lot. <laughs> so you can't force them, but you can try to make it a little bit easier right. and take a step for them and say, hey, I found this wonderful doctor for you. Exactly. Would you mind calling to make an appointment for you? And they're like, oh, sure. Who wouldn't want someone to take that step? Exactly. It's overwhelming for them. And they're dealing with a lot of stuff too, especially as they get older. Right. So. I, I think what you, what you just mentioned about having, even just being on the phone is so important. Right. Um, I, because good news, bad news, medical news, it doesn't matter. Sometimes people just aren't able to process when people are talking to them about these things. And I had a um, situation too, where I had a friend who was going to get a diagnosis. She actually was diagnosed with breast cancer and, you know, they were going to talk to her about what the next steps were at that um, meeting. And I was on the phone with her just because I was like, I'm going to take notes. I'm going to like write down everything because, and then we were talking about it like months later. And she was like, thank God, because she was like, I didn't hear a word he said. And so I know that could be a helpful tip. So I think that's really great to even mention, you know, a helpful tip, like you don't have to be there necessarily, but even if you're on the phone, so you can ask the questions, like you said, or at least just hear what the person has to say. So, and I think that could help a lot of people who are in your situation and our situation where we have the parents, elderly people we're kind of keeping an eye out for. We don't want to take away their independence, but we also want to make sure they're doing what they need to do. So, um, so that could be a helpful tip that that was really great. I like that. So, Dr. White, we are so excited that you gave us all this information today. You're amazing. Amazing. (laughs) (laughs) And um, we have a question that we ask all of our guests, and we just want to hear what you want to say. So, Perlene, you want to hit her with that? Sure. (laughs) Um, So, like we said, we ask everyone, you know, what advice would you give your younger self about um, this topic? Um, And because you're amazing just about anything in general. Just adulting in general. You know, just what would you tell younger Dr. White? (laughs) I would tell younger Dr. White, you're doing good work. Hmm. You're, You're doing good work. You're reaching people, even though it seems that you're, that you may not be. 
you're doing the work and you should just trust your process. Not a process, not her process, but your process. Wow. Love that. And fall into place. I love that. Awesome. Dr. White, you are a hero. (laughs) You are amazing. (laughs) And decoders, we are going to have her information in the link. If you have any questions or just any comment in general about anything that Dr. White said, we ask that you reach out to us and um, we'll get those questions to her. We'll get her information out there and um, we encourage you to follow her advice and just put preventive measures in place. Let's be a community Mm. that puts preventive um, measures in place as opposed to constantly responding to crisis. All right. So thank you again for being here today. And we're so grateful. Thank you so much to Dr. White for being with us today. Um, She was amazing. She had so much great information. So you can find Dr. White um, on Twitter at Pascal White One. You can find her on Instagram at The Stomach Doc NYC. And also, uh, Dr. Dr. White is a founding member of the Black in uh, sorry, of the Association of Black Gastroenterologists. And you can find uh, more information on that in blackingastro.org. And that is a organization that was founded for the purpose of addressing um, healthcare disparities in the field of gastroenterology and hepatology. So you can get more information on those topics and follow up with um, Dr. White um, on those handles. And... Dakotas, what should we really pull out of that conversation? Um, You know, again, adulting is hard, right? It is (laughs) packed with balancing responsibilities, um, making sure you're developing yourself, other people, giving back to your community. And this is part of it. It's part of it in adulting. It's about prioritizing your health. And being an advocate for yourself and others when it comes to our health. Um, I feel like we hear statistics all day, every day about health disparities in the black and brown community. And um, individually, we have to help with prevention, Right. So whether it is whether we're showing up to our doctor's appointments or making doctor appointments for our our parents or the elderly around us, Mm -hmm. whether it's about, you know, getting in touch with your girlfriends and being like, hey, guess what? In June, we're all going to go and get mammograms because it's because it's around that time. Right. We got to work on getting mammograms. We got to do colon screening, encouraging our partners and our husbands to um, and just also the women around us to go and get um, screenings and, you know, putting that preventive um, measure in place. Because as Dr. White stated, um, an ounce of prevention is, what did she say? (laughs) (laughs) Well, she she basically prioritized prevention. But the saying is an ounce of prevention is worth a pound of cure. Right. And I think Dr. White definitely um, made that very clear. Right. um, That that's the route we should all be going, decoders. You know, prevention, making those screenings a priority, doing what you can to, you know, to bring your family and friends into that same space as you in terms of prioritizing your health. So... Yeah. Let's be encouraged. Let's be encouraged to share information, remind 
the people around us to show up for those. You know, I, th I think about heart health amongst African-American women. There's a whole month dedicated to, um, you know, women talking to their doctors about heart health and, you know, Go Red, um, the Go Red campaign. So let's really, let's talk about these things. Let's, let's be involved. Let's be present for each other and have conversations, share information. If you go to a, a doctor and you're like, wow, this person is phenomenal, share that information um, in terms of, you know, letting people know that that's, it's important to prioritize our health. So... You can uh, follow up with us about this episode. Let tell us, us know what you think. Yeah, tell us what you thought. If you have any questions, comments, or always Tools here, decoders. Tools that we can use. Exactly. Reach out to us at. You can reach us at adultingdecoded at gmail dot com, and we're also on Instagram at adulting dot decoded, and we're on Facebook, Adulting Decoded Facebook group. It's live yes <laughs> in there constant conversation so many good discussions yes. um but yeah reach out to us and let us know what you're what you're thinking let's talk about it yes let's be adults and talk about it